we are finishing our, our series today on um, the pursuit of happiness, um, finding what a blessed life is all about. And, um, and, 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 and I just want to finish it today and, and really kind of dial in on the heartbeat of God and really what is God's desire for us? What, what, is, what is the character of God? And, and, and how does God want that character to be displayed in us? There was a, a time a couple of years ago, um, my son Wesley and I uh, were fishing in a stream for trout and uh, we were using egg sacs and we were really having a good day. We were catching a lot of fish. And so we got to the point to where um, there was one egg sack left. And I remember I, I would carry them. I looked at them like, man, there's just one left. And that my, my first thought was, man, I'd like to catch one more fish. And um, Wesley looks at it and he says, dad, you know what? You take the last one. And I'm like, okay, I've got these two polar thoughts that came into my heart at the same time. One was of shame and of selfishness, that my first thought was not to give it to Wesley. And the second was how proud I was of Wesley for showing generosity. Now, I don't know if it was because Wesley caught way more fish than I did, and he felt sorry for me, or that it was out of a heart of generosity, and I hope it was out of a heart of of generosity. How many of you are like me, that there are times where you feel like, I'm really generous, and then there's times where I'm just selfish, and, and I just want to have my own way. And, and so we're, we're finishing this series on the pursuit of happiness, finding a blessed life. And, and one thing that we've discovered is that at the root of joy is a giving heart. And we've come to understand that God is a, is a giving God. He gave us everything in order for our lives to be restored from what sin destroyed. God gave us the gift of his son uh, who died on the cross for our sins and took our shame in order that we might be healed. And through Christ, we are forgiven. And what happens when I receive forgiveness from God, now this forgiveness flows into my life and it flows out to others. God desires for us to be forgiving, to show grace, to show mercy, just like he did for us when we didn't deserve it. Now, I want you to just remember two things about the character of God. And when we receive this forgiveness, how God doesn't want us to stop with us, but it actually, he wants us to be a conduit where his grace and mercy flows through us and to others. And so here's a great thing to remember that grace is getting what I don't deserve. God gives us his grace, even though we don't deserve it. And that's salvation. We didn't earn it. We didn't merit it. It's not based on my goodness. God freely gave us his grace, something that we didn't deserve. And he gives us salvation as a free gift through his son, Jesus, for those who put their faith in him. Mercy is not getting what I do deserve. Now, I do deserve punishment because of my sin. But because of God's great mercy, he poured out his wrath on his son so we could be forgiven because Jesus took our place. He was our substitute on that cross 2,000 years ago. And when I understand that and I embrace it by faith, there's a transformation that happens in my heart. And and it it comes out in the reflection of my behavior. Things begin to change. That's what I love about uh, uh, Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. I love the transformation that happens in Scrooge's heart from being wicked and selfish, and a miser, and to a generous, outrageous giver. Something happened in his heart. When, when, when he understood that, and all the things that he had, and he offered forgiveness, and received forgiveness, something has to happen 
in our hearts. There has to be a transformation. And so in a nutshell, that's exactly what happens in us when Christ changes us. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to share a story with you in the Bible that I believe just exemplifies the heart of generosity. Something happened to this woman's heart because of her encounter with Jesus. Something happened to her and what her act of generosity did was not only, uh, was not only uh, seen by Christ and given to Christ, but Christ said because of her act of generosity, it would be spoken of to generations to come. Her giving outlasted herself. Her act of generosity outlasted that very act that she, get, she, she gave. So here's what I want you to get. If we're going to understand about being having a blessed life and really living a happy life, we have to understand the principle of generosity and how much God desires to work through our hearts and lives. And when we truly get this and understand this, um, you're going to have a pretty joyful life. You're going to have a, a, pretty, a, a pretty blessed life, understanding that all the blessings that you have come straight from the Lord. And he wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing to others. How many of you, how many of you realize how good it feels when you bless someone else? Isn't that a good feeling? when you bless somebody else and you make their day and you do something that's beyond yourself and, and you bless them, it just, it just feels good. The reason why is because that's the heart of God. And, and so the Bible shows us this story of this woman, exemplifies this story to show us this is the heart of God. So if you've got your Bibles, you can look at the screens. We're going to look at John 12. So in lieu of Mother's Day here, I want to share a story of a, a woman who showed tremendous generosity that the Bible records this for us and that this should be the attitude of our hearts also. So John chapter 12, we're going to read the first, first eight verses. And this is where Mary anoints Jesus's feet at Bethany incredible story of generosity. So let's see what the, what the scripture says here. It says six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there and Mary served and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Kid, just think of that. I just raised you from the dead two months ago. Now we're chilling and eating dinner together. How crazy is that? That's, I, that's what I love about the Bible. I, I can't wait to meet Lazarus in heaven because that's just, that's just crazy stuff right there. Then Mary, what she does here is they're all fellowshipping and they're eating and they're just celebrating, you know, God's goodness and, and just very close company here and close friends. What Mary does next is incredible. What she does is she says she took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Now, let me just rabbit trail here for just a moment. When you give to the Lord, it is such a sweet-smelling fragrance under his nostrils. It just is. It's just sweet. When you give and you bless someone else and you bless the Lord and you worship him, there is a sweet fragrance that goes into the nostrils of the Lord. I, I just, I want my worship under the Lord to be sweet, to be a sweet smelling fragrance unto him that, that said, God, I've come 
to worship you and to worship you alone. And I want this just to be a sweet smelling fragrance. So what happens is she pours out this ointment and it just fills the whole house with this wonderful, wonderful aroma and this sweet fragrance. And, and I want you to understand the fragrance. Yes, there was that physical fragrance, but it was because of her worship. The worship of her, the worship unto Jesus filled this house with this beautiful fragrance like, like lilacs, right? I, I, I was walking around the yard the other day and we have one lilac bush and it took like eight years to finally get lilacs. I just went out and I just smelled them. I go, oh, lilacs smell good, don't they? Okay, I may have to hand in my man card right now, but I don't care. I like lilacs and they smell nice. Amen? Okay, all the ladies said, I mean, I didn't hear one guy say amen. Thanks for bailing on me, guys. Okay, so here we go. And so it says, she wipes it with her hair. The house fills her with perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples whom was about to betray Jesus said, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Wah, wah, wah. Here Judas just stops the worship, Right? How, how many of that happened? We're worshiping the Lord. We're feeling good about the Lord. And then someone comes along, a joy sucker, and just sucks the life out of the, out of the praise, out of your having a good day. And you're like, man, I was having a good day until this turkey came along and sucked the praise out of my life, right? And there's Judas just, just thinking practical. He's not thinking about worshiping Jesus. He's not thinking about what's, what, you know, what's going on here. He's just like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Couldn't we have given this to the poor? Now, he said this, the Bible tells us, not because he cared about the poor, but, he, he says, but because he was a thief and having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. So, so this wasn't good for him, right? It, it wasn't benefiting him. Jesus said, leave her alone that she may keep it for the day of my burial, for the poor you will always have with you, but you do not always have me. So here's the scenario. You got two months late, two months uh, before this, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. This is an incredible story. We see two main figures here. We see Mary and we see Judas. We see Mary pouring out this year's wage of perfume on Jesus' feet. And it was such an outrageous thing to do. And then you have Judas, who seems on the surface to be trying to be practical. But yet two questions come to my mind when I read this story. Why did, why did Mary give so generously? And, and why did Judas not like what she did? Why was he so bothered? You see two extremes in this story. One shows the heart of giving and its generosity for what Christ has done in her heart. And, and how much she wanted to give to the Lord because she realized who Jesus was. And then you have one that, that is giving nothing, that is, is, is selfish and stingy and only thinking about himself. You see, the enemy, always the enemy of a generous heart is selfishness, always. And so what we see is we see, we peer into the hearts of these two people. You peer into the heart of one that's generous, understanding what Christ has done for her, and you have the other one who is about to betray Jesus, does not care about what she's doing, doesn't care about the worship, doesn't care about the sweet-smelling fragrance, just cares about himself. Now, how many of you parents 
taught your children to share. All of us, right? You know, you, you got to teach them because, because, because we know that the proclivity of our heart is always to take care of ourselves. The proclivity of our heart is to be selfish. That is a result of our sin nature and every single one of us. And so I want you to notice the response of Judas. He seemed so righteous and practical and spiritual on the surface. He seemed so righteous, self-righteous, and, and, and he seemed so practical. But under the surface was this self-righteousness, self-serving, and Judas really didn't care about the poor. You see, here's the issue with our heart. We will say things like that to hide our own selfishness or jealousy. We might think, wow, look at how this other person is living, driving that kind of car, or look at the kind of house they live in. They could live on less. But, but do we really care, or is it a disguise? Because that person could come back and say, well, why don't you sell your car and your house, and why don't you buy something smaller, and why don't you give to the poor? See, here's what extravagance is. Are you ready? Great definition of extravagance. I heard a pastor say this. He said, extravagance is anyone who has more than you do. Ooh, that hurt, didn't it? It hurts me every time I say it. I have to be honest. Extravagance is anyone who has anything more than you do. And so it's easy for us to judge, right? Let's just get honest. It's easy for us to judge when somebody has more than us. Because what we end up doing, let me, just, let me just play the cards out here. Let me, just, let me just get to where it hurts. Because then we look at our lives and we look, woe is me. I don't have those things. Look at what they have. And then, and then we, we get this self-righteous attitude that we think because we don't have as much that, that for some reason we are more spiritual maybe. And that's not the case. Normally the case is we're hiding behind some type of selfishness in our own heart. We have to be careful here. When we point the finger at others and say that they live extravagantly, it's usually a cover-up for our own selfishness, just like Judas. So here's the question. The question is, I'm going to live a blessed life, and I want to live this happy life that, that God is flowing through my life with his blessings. How do I break the bond of selfishness in my life. And I believe we need to look at the example that Mary left for us. This is very important because even Jesus said this story of what she did will be told to future generations. He wanted us to look at this. It, it, and I, I, want you to, I, I want you to get the point here. It, it, it's, it's, it's all about worship. It's, it's not about the expense of the gift. Are you getting this? Okay, let's tie this together because the, if we miss this, then, then we're going to get caught up in the size of the gift that she gave and how expensive it was. And that's not the point. The point of it was the gift was symbolic of the generosity of what her heart saw and what she wanted to do for Christ and her worship for him. We're going to try to, we're going to, listen, 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 listen. We're going to try to tie these two together because listen, if Christ has changed my heart and he's transformed me and I understand his grace and mercy that he poured out of me that I never deserved, it has to translate somehow in the way I live my life. 
Do, do you get that? I, I can't, we can't be stingy Christians. We can't say, well, I love Jesus, but I'm never going to give. I, I, I love Jesus, but I'm not going to give to anyone else or I'm not going to give to the Lord. We can't say, something has to change. Now, let's be careful here. Everybody look at me, watch me, look at me, look at me. Because I know some of you are starting to hold on to your pocketbooks a little tighter, right? Some of you men are starting to grab for your wallet. Uh-oh, pastor's starting to talk about money. Listen, let's be careful here. Because as your pastor, I want you to see at the heart of worship to the Lord is extravagance and generosity. And I want your lives to be blessed. So, so this may sting a little bit, but, I, but my heart's desire for you is to understand the, 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 the heart of this story and the context of this story because Mary had it right. She had it right. And, and, and Jesus wanted this story to be known. He didn't want to rebuke her. She had it right because he knew the motivation of her heart. And this is where I want God to grab each and every one of us. That God, let me be a worshiper of you. Let, let me be extravagant in my worship in you and how I show that to you and how it's seen in the way I bless others. I, I, I want that to be careful because I know for me, I'm just pointing the finger at me, I know the proclivity of my heart is to, is, to, is to default back to the selfishness of my heart and to take care of me. And I want to be careful of it because I don't want to miss, listen, I don't want to miss God's blessings. I, I don't want to miss the heartbeat of God in my life that, that I've, I've sold him short by not allowing him to completely use me the way he desires to use me. So, so let's look at what she did. There's a couple things here I, w- I want you to see. And why the, the Mary's act of extravagance showed her devotion to Christ. And so let's look at this. Let's look at this. Because Judas may have been sitting there going, oh, look at Mary. She's showing off, right? Taking the expensive perfume. Should have been meant for his burial. She's just trying to show off, and she wasn't. So let, let's, let's look at what's going on here. Mary's act of extravagance, first of all, showed her complete devotion to her Savior, Jesus Christ. And we have to realize that you are, you are what you are devoted to. Whatever you are devoted to, that's going to be where your heart is. The Bible says where your treasure is, right? Your heart's going to follow. So her treasure was Jesus Christ. Her treasure, it didn't matter what earthly treasure she had. It wasn't big enough to give to him in her worship. This is the only way she could express it. She's like, what is the thing that I can express my devotion to him? Now, I could have saved this perfume, which should have been meant for his burial, but I want to bless him right now. And I'm going to devote this to Jesus right now. It was an act of her devotion. See, Mary witnessed Jesus raising her brother from the dead. The object wasn't the perfume, it was Jesus. That was the object of her devotion. She didn't care about the cost. This was worth a year's wage. This was an extravagant, extravagant gift. She wasn't showing off. She wasn't saying, look how much I gave to Jesus. Her devotion was greater than the cost. It showed her devotion. Her act of giving this showed her true devotion to the Lord. Secondly, I want you to see is Mary's act of extravagance was actually a sign of humility. Now you say, well, how's that, Pastor? Because everybody else standing around is going, whoa, that was an expensive gift you just gave to Jesus. 
But actually, what she, listen, listen, listen. This is so good. God's word is so good. The way she gave the gift showed the humility in her heart. Listen, the way we worship the Lord, we can come one of two ways. We can come and say, hey, God, I woke up early on Sunday morning. Here I am. Aren't you glad I came to church, God? It's a big check mark because I came to church, right? And we can come in, not with a heart of humility, but almost like a privilege. Like, hey, I came to church. I'm doing this stuff for Jesus. Look at me. It's not a heart of humility. God's seeing your heart. You're, you're not really doing it because, because we love the Lord. We're just doing it because, well, we want other people to see us and they know we go to church. You know, you drive out of your parking lot and you see your neighbor watering their lawn. You're like, hey, how you doing? I'm going to church. You aren't, sinner. Okay, so have a great day, right? Try to make them feel good. See, that's, that's I'm being facetious there, but that, that's not the heart. Her heart showed humility. So how do we know this? How do we know this? Well, she was at the feet of Jesus. It was a place of humility. Anointing someone's feet was usually reserved for a servant. That's why when all the disciples got together with Jesus and they're all waiting around for the servant to come to wash each other's feet because that was customary. A servant would do that. Roads were dusty. Your feet were nasty. Somebody would wash them. And, and if you got special treatment, you would even get anointed to have the special fragrance on your feet. It was a sign of you. Know, it was meant for a servant. Well, when Jesus got together with the other disciples, there was no servant there. So they're all looking around going, okay, who's going to wash each other's feet? And what does Jesus do? He takes the role of a servant, puts the towel on of a servant, and begins to wash the disciples' feet to show them this is true humility, that you serve each other. You don't wait for someone else. You serve each other. So by her bowing at his feet and, 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 and humbling herself before him showed her the act of your humility wasn't the size of the gift, it was the act of her humility. Her heart was in the right place as she came to worship the Lord. Now, not only does she do that, but she unties her hair. Now, now, reading this first glance, you think, well, what's the big, de- big, big deal there? Mary untying her hair would have been seen from the public as scandalous. For this reason, women in that culture did not unbind their hair in public. This um, would almost seem as immoral to, to do that. But for her doing it, it wasn't immoral at all in any sense. This was a pure, pure act of worship and humility on her part. She was so broken that she wiped her hair. Such an act of humility towards the Lord that Jesus allowed her to do it. Do you think if it was anything scandalous, Jesus wouldn't have stopped her? Sure he would have. But he saw her heart. She saw how she came to him. She saw how much she loved her and her devotion to him as him being her Lord and Savior. It wasn't, Jesus, I, I want to be recognized for this. I'm not even looking at you. I'm just bowing before you. And, and here's the thing. She goes, I don't even care what other people think. I don't care. I'm going to untie my hair. I'm, I, I know it's scandalous. I know what other people may say. I know what people, but I know my heart. 
And I know I'm doing it for you, Jesus. And I know my heart is not impure here, so I'm going to do it for you. And I'm going to untie my hair and I'm going to wipe your feet with my hair. What an act of humility. So we see this devotion of Mary. We see the humility of of Mary and we see the the, the sign of this gift. So let's let's jump into the gifter because this is where it's going to tie into where we live today. Let's look at this third thing. Mary's extravagance the extravagance of this gift was a sign, was a sign. Listen, you got to get this because this is so, if you get this, if you get this, if you get this, it'll change everything. The act of her giving this expensive gift was actually a sign of her love for Christ. Can you imagine if we change our giving unto the Lord from just an act of obligation to an act of actual love? God, I'm giving this to you because I actually love you and I understand what you did for me. You are the devotion of my love. The reason why we give gifts on Mother's Day is because that's an act of our love. It's a sign of our affection, our love. It's really not the gift. It should be, right, a sign of our love towards our moms, right? Or you get a, a birthday gift. It's a sign of your love and affection towards that towards that person. It's, it's a sign. It's, it's not so much about the gift. If we get caught up in the gift, then you lose the meaning when someone gives you a gift. It's a sign of love and appreciation. It's not so much about the gift. How many of you know we end up forgetting the gift anyways, right? You're right? How many of you moms still have all the little knit-knack things that your kids gave? Some might have. I try to keep some. I actually have one that Lily gave me for Father's Day. It's still in, in, my, in my office, you know, just to remind like, oh yeah, I remember when they used to give me these little crafts, Right? What are you going to do with crap, right? What do you, you know, I don't need an ashtray because I don't smoke. So I don't know why my kids may be an ashtray. No, I'm just teasing. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's those little gifts. But you remember those because what, what is it? The, the sign as you look at that, at that thing that they made for you, some, whether it was a rock that said, Dad, I love you or whatever, you look back and you're like, it's a sign of their love, right? It's, it's, a, it's a token. It's a reminder. It's a sign that... That, that of their love and it, it, you get you get melancholy and you get sentimental and you're like oh remember when they used it remember when they made this for us it's a sign of, it's not really the gift right it's a sign of their love for you and that's what mary did here see jesus said to leave her alone because because it was a gift it was to be done for the day of of his burial and this got me thinking got me thinking a little deeper about this you see this wouldn't have been thought of, listen to me for a moment here. This wouldn't have been thought of as an extreme expense at a funeral. Then why were there objections to doing it while someone was alive? You see, she didn't wait. She wanted to honor Jesus while he was still with them. That's why this was an act of love. So it got me thinking a little bit deeper because sometimes I, I try to think a little bit deeper in my life. It's funny that we have a special part of the funeral service, which is called the eulogy to honor the person who has died. And we get up there and I've, I don't, I've done hundreds of funerals, right? as being a pastor. And, here, and they're nice. So usually, usually eulogies, are, I've heard some real bad ones, but for the most part, I've heard some really, really good ones. And there's honoring the person, right? So it got me thinking even further. 
why don't we do something for someone in our life that means a lot to us? Um, maybe there's someone that meant a great deal to you. Maybe there's someone that was instrumental in your salvation. Maybe there was someone, a good friend that helped you through something. Instead of just thinking about it, why don't you give them a sign or a token of your love by actually writing them a letter and just saying, you know what? I just want to let you know. Don't text them, okay? Don't Facebook them, all right? Actually write them a letter. Let's go, let's go old school, all right? Let's all go old school for just a moment, all right? And, and some of the teenagers out there going, what's a letter? What is that? What is, what's a pen? What's a letter? Um, let's go old school for just a minute and just write your thoughts down and just pop them a letter in the mail. Maybe they don't live near you. Maybe they do. And just say, thank you. There is a person in my life, which I was so glad I did this because the reason why I'm telling you to do this, there is a person that was very instrumental in my life when, uh, bef- before I became a Christian. They were a great witness to me as a teenager. And um, they were getting older in age. I knew their health was failing. And I just said, you know, I'm just going to write this, this, this guy a letter because he was so instrumental in my salvation and sharing the love of Jesus with me, neighbor that lived a couple doors down from us. And so I wrote him a letter. And I was so glad I did. And just a couple weeks after that, he died. And I was so glad I did that. I was so glad because someone came to me and said, why didn't, why didn't you share? I was so surprised that when I opened up the funeral to share it as funeral that you didn't. I said, because I already shared it with him two weeks ago. I didn't need to share it again. And I was so glad I did that. I was so glad. I said, oh, I did one thing right in my life. You know, I was so glad I did that. Just, just do that. Honor somebody. It's, it's a, the, the honoring, remember, the honoring is a sign of your love and thankfulness for what that person meant. So for Mary, the sign, the token, the perfume, the nard was actually a sign of her love for him. Okay. So how, how are we going to tie the series in? And this is, I, I want to end it kind of on a different note. It's going to be a little different, but, but here's, here's how I want to end it, end it today and, and, and put some legs um, to our devotion and maybe look at our giving to the Lord in a different way than maybe the way we looked at it before and, and maybe recalibrate our giving unto the Lord, recalibrate the way we worship the Lord, recalibrate the way we give financial Lord, recalibrate maybe the way we serve the Lord. I, I really want God to grab our heart here because here's what Proverbs eleven twenty four and 25 says. I, I love this. Listen to what it says. Great words of wisdom. It says, give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. And I love this last part of, of verse 25. It says, those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Actually, the word there that means those that give a cup of water to somebody. Those that, 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 that actually see someone else that needs encouragement, that needs help. Those that give that water to refresh them. The, the proverb writer says, in fact, they themselves will be refreshed. Listen, for some of you, you need a refreshing from the Lord in your life. You've been dry. Your worship has been stale. Your fervency for the Lord has gone wax. 
It's waxed hard, and you know it. And there are times that we all go through those times, those seasons where we feel like, God, I just feel like I'm going, I'm doing right things. It's not that I'm doing anything bad, God, but I just, I, I, I've, I've lost that fervency. I always remember Keith Green, a long time ago, those of you Keith Green fans, he, he sang a song that just convicted my heart. He just talked about, you know, my eyes are dry. My prayers are cold. You know, what can renew my heart? What can renew my heart again? Fill me again. Fill me again. Fill me again with your spirit. Renew me again. Wash me again, Lord. Renew that spirit. You see, it's not the gift. It's not going through the motions. Jesus wants your devotion. He wants your heart. That's what, he's, that's what he desires from you. That's why um, he was so pleased with Mary's act of extravagance. You see, Mary's worship was just not the bare minimum. It wasn't, it wasn't like, okay, Lord, um, I'm just going to do this just enough to get by. The reason why Jesus uh, honored her in the way she gave was because it was extravagant. And in fact, the word generous actually means more than, than what is required. It means to be lavish or copious. I always wanted to use that word in a service. Copious. Didn't that just sound nice? It means, it, it, it means abundant. See, I want to get to the point, like Mary, where her giving outlasted her. And, and, and our giving must outlive me. And, and, and what, the, what the book of Mark records for us in this incident is, is listen to what Jesus says. Jesus says about her in Mark 14, he says, And truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. 2,000 years ago, we're still talking about this because it was such an extravagant gift of worship. See, I want my giving to make a difference in eternity. I want it to touch lives that goes beyond me to touching lives for eternity. And so here's, here's where I, I want to end the service because I want to I make this an, an act of worship unto the Lord. And what you received in, in your bulletins, you received an envelope with a card in it. And, and here's, here's what I want to do. I want to put, I want to put, I want to be careful here because I know if we have visitors here today, this is really for people that, you know, I don't, I'm not asking you to make a commitment here. This is for those that call Living Word um, their home. Um, and, and what I want to do is to finish up this message on the pursuit of happiness and living this blessed life. This is, this is a commitment that you're going to make between you and the Lord. This is going to put feet. I, I, want, I want you to look at our giving unto the Lord as not just, not just giving because I'm obligated to do this, but, but Lord, I want, I want my giving to you to be an, actually an act of worship as an expression of my devotion for what you've done for me, because that's exactly what Mary did. There was actually a gift that was given under the Lord. There was something tangible that was giving, that was given unto the Lord that cost her something. So if we're going to translate this, contextualize this into where we live today, 
This would be where we take out, where we, you know, where we give to the Lord of our finance. And I want you to look at the card. It says this. It says, I recognize that God owns everything. And I want to obey God to be generous and put him first in all areas of my life. I want to give him my heart, including my finances, because I believe he will meet all my needs. Now, based on God's leading today, there's three things I want you to commit to. And here's what we're going to do. You're like, why did, why did I get an envelope? I'm going to explain that for a moment um, and what you're going to do and how we're going to follow up with this. There's three areas of commitment here that I want to give to the Lord. There may be some of you here today and you're like, Pastor, we talked a little bit about tithing last week and about giving to the Lord. You may have not have been, been here last year. And some of you may, you know, you're like, I don't even know what it means to give to the Lord. I don't even know what to tithe. And we talked about the first, God, giving God the first of everything, giving God the first of the week, giving the first 10% of our income. We're, 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 we're establishing that God is first in every area of my life. And I, I said, listen, I don't want to make tithing a legalistic thing where, you know, if you don't tithe, we're going to hell. That's not what I'm talking about. I, I just believe, I believe, here, here's, here's my thought, and we can go round and round about this, but here's my thought. Listen to me. Listen clearly. Here's why I believe tithing is important, the first 10% of my income, because I'm recognizing that God, you're first. We see the principle in the Old Testament. You can, we can argue that, well, pastor, it's not in the New Testament. Well, there's some things that we can translate in the New Testament, but here's the bottom line. Listen to me, listen, listen to me closely. Why in the world would God want me to give less than what he gave in the principle to the Israelites in the Old Testament? Why would he want me to give less? And I look at this as just training wheels. And I know for me personally in this practice, I look at it as something that God, I'm giving to you as my gift because of what you did for me. So why would God want us to give us less? Now you're thinking, Pastor, whoa, that's such a big commitment. Are you crazy? Where, what planet are you from? Was your orange juice expired this morning? What is going on? Pat, listen to me. Here's what I want you to do. For those who are starting, what I would tell you is put a percent on your giving. Start off doing that. Say, God, I, I, I haven't tithed. Maybe you want to start that. But maybe, it's, maybe you're going to say, I'm going to put a percent, whether it's 5%, 6%, whatever it is, and we're just going to do it. We're going to commit to this as a couple or an individual. And I'm going to say, God, I'm going to put you to the test here and I'm going to honor you and I'm going to follow you and I'm going to give this to you as a gift, as a commitment unto you because I know what you've done for me. And make it a love gift unto the Lord as you begin to honor God first in your life. The second area where you could check is you could say, Pastor, I'm, I'm tithing. I hear what you're saying. Um, I believe in it. I've been doing it for years. And maybe say, I'm going to, recommit myself to continue to do this. And I just need to have a heart check with the Lord and talk to my spouse or individually saying, God, I want to continue to do this. And maybe have a little heart check to make sure that I'm not doing it uh, haphazardly, that I'm giving it to you as a gift, Lord. And, and this was a good message for me to recalibrate. Thank you, Pastor, for sharing that with me. And maybe third, maybe God's telling you, I want you to give more. I want you to look at your life and say, what could I do more for you, God? Not, not because we're trying to gain 
God's love or acceptance. How do you know that God doesn't need our money? He doesn't, right? He doesn't. But he wants to do something in your heart. And I want my devotion and my heart to be like Mary. And I believe by us giving this way, we take this sign and we give it to the Lord as our commitment unto him to say, God, I love you. Thank you for your grace. I'm giving back to you what's already yours to begin with. It wasn't mine. Everything I have, everything I own is yours, God. And and I want to give this portion back to you as my act of worship and grace giving unto you. And so what you're going to do is we're going to make this an act of worship to end the service. And um, I want you to check one of those things. And um, what I want you to do is there's pens in the front of the seat if you don't have pens. What I want you to do is I want you to write your address on the front of the card. Then I want you to take the card and I want you to put it in the envelope and I want you to seal it. No one is going to look at this except you and God. No, one. I'm not going to look at it, no one else. And what we're going to do is, as an act of worship, we're going to play an ending song and we're going to come to the altar here and we're going to lay our cards on the altar. We're going to lay them right on the altar. And what we're going to do is, We are going to mail these cards back to you in three months. And I want you, listen, listen, this is just a reminder because we've got to remind ourselves that God is good, right? This is going to be a ride because you're going to be thinking back. Some of you are going to be, some of you are type A personalities. You're like, it's been three months. Where's my card? And some of you are going to be surprised and you're going to get the card and you're going to go, oh yeah. And I've committed myself to the Lord and you're going to see God's blessings in your life. It's going to be a reminder when you get that card back in the mail of like, God is good. God is good. And so I want it to be a blessing unto you of God's faithfulness in your life as you commit to him your time, your talent, and your treasure unto him. So what we're going to do is I want you to fill that out. I want you to put it in the card. I want you to put your address on it. I want you to seal it. You won't look at it. And then during the song, we're going to stand. We're going to worship. And I want you to come forward. And as an act of worship, listen, don't miss this point. Is everybody with me? All you people are like, got to write my address down. Let me get the address. Do I need to put a stamp on it? No, you don't have to put, we'll put the stamp on it for you, okay? Um, listen, listen, listen to me. We're going to lay our hands on this. And we're going to thank God for his blessings in our life. You know how good God has been to our church? God, is good to, God has been good to living word, hasn't he? He's been so good to us. God has been good to you. This is a way of just saying, God, thank you for your blessings. And I'm giving to you because I love you. This is my act of worship to you because I love you today. Amen? So, let's pray together. And I want you to hold your card in your hand. If you're a married couple, I want you to hold the hand of your spouse. I want you to put your hands on this letter. And as we pray together, we're committing our lives to the Lord. So let's pray together. Dear Jesus, we come before you and we are humbled before you today. You've been so good to us. Remind us of your goodness today. 
And as we give to you, it's not the gift. It's not the amount. Lord, it's the way we give it. May we give this gift with our devotion, with our love. May you just change our hearts, God. And I thank you for how you change us, how you love us, how you've accepted us, how you've given us your grace and mercy when we so least deserved it. So Lord, as we take this time to give this to you as an act of worship, as we come forward, as we give these cards to you, God, I pray that you would just touch every marriage, every individual in this place, that God, they would see clearly your blessings as it flows to them, that it would flow from them to others as they respond to you and that you would change their worship, that you would change the way they see you, God, that you would renew them by your Holy Spirit. So God, I just thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness in our lives. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, we ask these things. And all God's people said,